Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. I'd like to return to our conversation this morning about the ongoing concerns regarding the physical and psychological well being of our kids who specialize in one sport all year round. Now, if you're a sports parent, you know that one of the very first decisions your child and you will be confronted with is whether or not they should focus on just one sport rather than play a variety of sports. And for many activities, this decision takes place as early as as age 7, 8, or 9 years old. And it's a very difficult decision because, in effect, you're trying to look into the future and to predict what is the best route for your youngster to take. Now, we've talked for years on the show about how the shift to outside travel and club teams have promoted the belief that in order for our kids to become real standouts in any sport, it's important they adapt to playing just one sport and let the others fall to the wayside. Now, of course, this shift has come with all sorts of concerns, whether it be about the psychology of the youngster or the cost of playing on a club team, and what all this means to the entire development of a family. But in any event, on this, this morning's show, I want to examine the impact that specializing in one sport at an early age, whether whatever the sport may be, it could be soccer or gymnastics, swimming, baseball, whatever, has from the perspective from a, a, physi- from a physician who treats kids who specialize in one sport. That is, is it really healthy for a kid to play one activity, or is the real concern for long-term damage? Now, Dr. Demetrius Delos is an orthopedic surgeon with the Orthopedic and Neurosurgery Specialist Group, which is also known as ONS, which has offices in Greenwich and Stanford, Connecticut, and in Harrison, New York. Uh, Dr. Delos has expertise in shoulder, elbow, and knee surgery, as well as sports medicine. He's a graduate of the Weill Medical College of Cornell University, Dr. Delos did his orthopedic surgery and sports medicine training at the Hospital for Special Surgery here in New York. And he also has four young kids who play sports as well. So he's facing the same kinds of issues as any sports parent would. Dr. Delos, good morning. Good morning. Great to be on the show. Well, thank you. And and let's I have a lot of questions for you. And of course, we'll take calls from our listeners at one 337 6666 But let me ask you first to start, what are the most common types of ailments you're seeing in your patients? <clears throat> Certainly we see a lot uh, in, in the athletes who are playing sports such as lacrosse and soccer. We're seeing a lot of lower extremity type injuries, but especially in the younger, younger cohort, the, the growing athlete, we see a lot of things like Osgood Schlatter, those type of overuse things. In the overhead athlete, we're seeing things like little league elbow and little league shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, in baseball players, 
And then, of course, we're seeing the real traumatic injuries like ligament injuries, ACL, Tommy John type ligaments. Uh, we see a fair amount of a fair amount of those, and as we sort of discussed last week, you know, with the with the huge uh, increase in in the number of athletes and the amount of time that they're playing these sports, uh, the number of serious injuries has really gone up tremendously over the last ten to twenty years. So that now you're even seeing kids with ACL injuries who are nine or ten years old, which you never really saw. 20, 30 years ago. Now, is there, is it, maybe this is an obvious question, but uh, is it safe to assume the, 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 the boom in all these injuries uh, at younger and younger ages, this is all attributed to the fact that kids are specializing in one sport? I just want to make sure that that's, that's the premise we're working from. Well, I think it's, it's, it's definitely the amount of uh, exposure. Uh, so there's no doubt that uh, training volume, training intensity are independent risk factors for injury. Mm -hmm. And with the decrease in free play and the significant increase in deliberate practice and, uh, you know, organized sports participation, we're seeing a lot more of these injuries. One of the things, uh, one of the terms that we hear commonly these days is repetitive use injuries. And, uh, you know, that term did not exist when I was growing up. And and clearly it's something new. It's a new concept. and, and, of course, the concept of burnout as well. I mean, th- th- these are new medical concepts that, again, didn't exist a generation or so ago. Yeah, there, there are a couple things, you know, in preparation for, for this that I really was reviewing in my mind. There, there are a few things that I'd like the audience to know. Yep. Uh, one is recovery from injury is not always that straightforward or simple. It's not as easy as saying, oh, you know, I injured the elbow and my ligament. I'm going to have Tommy John surgery. I'll be back good as new. That's an 18-month recovery. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of emotions that go through uh, an athlete's head when they're going through that, besides the fact that they have to commit to the recovery with physical therapy, uh, etc. So the recovery is not always uh, straightforward. The other thing is, of course, as you've talked about, we don't talk about it as much, but the psychological and the psychosocial issues related to injury uh, and sports specialization. And then I think there's another thing that we're sort of getting more and more data on, trying to uh, better understand, which is the morphologic changes in the human body and growing athletes who are exposed to repetitive-type activities. And what do I mean by that? We know that in throwers and kids who start throwing from a very young age and do it consistently, the shoulder will adapt to that throwing motion. So the ball in the socket will change slightly to adapt to that. We're starting to see more and more evidence that that may be occurring in the hip, especially in certain sports like ice hockey or soccer, where a kid is starting to play that consistently from 9, 10, 11 years old. Because if we do imaging studies, x-rays and MRIs on these athletes, we see that the ball in the socket start to change shape slightly. And it's more of an issue in the hip than in the shoulder because the ball in the socket and the hip are much more conforming. So if the ball is no longer perfectly spherical, it can sometimes lead to issues down the line. And we're starting to see those sort of changes uh, in athletes who are really at the pre-adolescent and early adolescent stage 
who are really playing these sports consistently, yeah, to the exclusion of others. Now, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, and my guest this morning is Dr. Demetrius Delos, and we're talking, obviously, about orthopedic injuries, uh, you know, with uh, youngsters in sports. You know, people are familiar, they've heard the term, of course, with uh, kids and Tommy John surgery with their, with their arms and shoulders, but this, what you're talking about here with the hips Something I think is relatively new, uh, but with repetitive use injury with kids who play ice hockey or soccer and play it all year round. Again, I think the 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 point I'm trying to make is that, you know, this is a new sort of direction for kids today who play one sport all year round, in the sense that it's sort of uncharted territory as to kids are continuing to grow through their adolescence. They go through all sorts of physical changes, and yet it's, it's sometimes they may be playing that sport in a, in a sense to get ahead in their sport, to get a, an advantage over their peers, in effect, they're doing more damage than good for their body. Yeah, I, I think the main thing um, that always strikes me is we can't extrapolate what seems to work in other fields like music or, or chess or, or uh uh, things like that, and assume that we can apply them to the growing child who is an athlete. Mm-hmm. Because uh, children, as the you know we learn in medical school, are not little adults. Uh, their bodies are actually significantly different, although skeletally they may look similar. Uh, the growth plates at the end of the bones, as well as the, the nature of the tendons and the ligaments, are significantly different than adults. So you can't expose them to the adult type of practice patterns and playing patterns and not expect certain types of differences in outcomes. And I think that's the major issue is that the things that may work for even the late adolescent, the 16, 17, 18-year-old, may not be the best things for the 10, 11, or 12-year-old, especially where rapid growth is taking place. So specialization to me, uh, the, the time at which I'm most concerned about it is really in the pre-adolescent and the early early adolescent. Obviously, there are a lot of things we could talk about with later adolescents, like the high school or late high school age years. But certainly, pre-adolescent and early adolescent, so many consensus statements among doctors really seem to all agree that uh, we should really try to limit specialization in those athletes. Albeit, of course, that there are certain sports that uh, necessitate, uh, you know, specialization early, like you've talked about many times on your show, gymnastics, mm-hmm. uh, figure skating, you know, things like swimming, maybe. So th- those are the exceptions. Let me you used a term before, which I think people use rather freely, but I want you to sort of define it for us, and that is free play. Mm-hmm. What that means in terms of, in, 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 in relation to the concept of specialization with kids? Well, free play is something that we we like to think of, or I like to think of, as more self-directed. You know, where the child uh, sort of meets up with his or her buddies, or uh, she meets up with her friends, and they they sort of uh, get the get the ball rolling on their own. It's not necessarily supervised. It's something like we used to do, where you go down to the local park and you do a pickup uh, game of basketball or baseball. Uh, you know, you, you, you're not necessarily assigned a position. You can choose the position you want to play. And, um, you know, those are the things that I would think of as free play. Yeah. It's something that it's, it's not necessarily organized. It's not necessarily supervised. It's something that's more directed by the uh, youth athlete. 
Let me uh, come back to a, a point that you mentioned before about the Tommy John surgery. And this yeah. is actually something I want to get into in more detail. And, of course, we're, we're going to take calls uh, you know, right after uh, we go to a break. But, but the, the question that I think a lot of the parents don't understand uh, for example, Tommy John, as you said, it takes an, it's 18 months recovery yep. uh, cycle. But for any kind of injury that a kid may have, sprained ankle, uh, whatever it might be, and that means that all of a sudden they have to sit out and yep. not compete. They've been told by the doctor, no, you can't go out and do this now. You have to heal. Psychologically, that's got to be very difficult for the youngster and obviously for the youngster's parents to say, well, you know, my kid is going to be losing uh, a lot of, uh, playing time, uh, a chance to compete against one's uh, peers if they have to sit out for a considerable uh, period of time. Uh, how, how do you cope? How do you explain this? Or how do you, how do you work yeah. with your patients in terms of saying, look, you're not going to be able to play for like three or four months, so get, get used to that? Yeah, it's, it's always a very tough situation, uh, but as I like to remind people, and they know this themselves, you cannot accelerate biology. You can't speed up the healing process no matter what we try to do, even in 2019. There are just some things that take a certain amount of time to recover from. And the example I always give some of the younger athletes is my memory uh, at the training camp with the Giants where you see uh, some of the younger players who are just trying to make the squad. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember one or two players who – of course, they're trying so hard. They're on the they're on the margin, so they they can make the team maybe, or they're going to be cut. And then one of them, uh, you know, had a hamstring strain, and rather than wait the prerequisite amount of time before he could go back because he felt he was under so much pressure, he kept trying to come back sooner and sooner than he should have. And every time he did, he barely made it through five minutes of practice. And this is at the highest level. And and what it what it tries. What I try to show to parents and to the younger athletes is that you try to come back too quickly, and all you're going to do is set yourself back more and more. And I understand the pressure, of course, to try and perform at a certain level and within a certain time frame, but unfortunately, we have to do the best we can, and sometimes you really just have to you know, spend that three- to four-week period recovering, and then you can go back. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, we just don't have any better ways of dealing with it, unfortunately. Uh, we were talking this morning with Dr. Delos about uh, orthopedic injuries and, and uh, repetitive use injuries with young kids and what this means in terms of uh, physical and psychological development. Uh, we're going to take your calls at one 337 6666 But first, we're going to take a timeout. Dave Uram has your update. When I return, I go right to the calls. Stay with me. And back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning with Dr. Demetrius Delos. He is an orthopedic surgeon with the Orthopedic and Neurosurgery Specialist Group. Uh, they're known as ONS. They have offices uh, in Harrison, New York, and in Greenwich and Stanford, Connecticut. And we're talking about what parents, sports parents need to know about the potential or possible concerns with kids specializing in just one sport all year round. Uh, and, and as Dr. Delos, I thought, said very eloquently, uh, that the fact is that when you're looking at kids who are 10 or 12 or 14 years old, uh, they, we sort of assume they're just like miniature adults, but of course they're not because their bodies are going through all sorts of changes and development and growth plates, and they're not 25. They're just kids starting out, and in many cases, pre-adolescence. Uh, and as we all know, a lot of things change when they go through their teenage years. 
And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a delicate kind of balance these days. As I mentioned, repetitive use injury is a term that is something that's new. It didn't exist uh, 20 years ago, but certainly it, it exists today. Uh, and we're taking calls at one 337 6666 And let's start our conversation. Uh, let's go to... Um, Let's go to Mike out in East Rockaway. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick, Doctor. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year. You know, Rick, as you know, I've been tuned in every Sunday um, for 15 years, going on 16, right? <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, Doctor, very interesting topic um, uh, with points that you made. Surgery is not a speed-up recovery process. Kids who play certain sports... When I was coaching back in the day, I would tell the kids on the baseball diamond, muscle memory, you know, muscle memory, and try to do this and that. Um, it's psychological effect on children when an injury happens, uh, a physical, uh, um, you know, effect on them also that they can't play. Um, and you know what? I, I think the whole uh, idea is, like, for example, football. I have a son who just turned 24. He graduated two years ago. He was a wide receiver in college. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of kids playing football at an early age or certain other sports, hockey. Um, you know, you're talking about, you get to the subject of Tommy John surgery, so many kids and you see in high school athletes, college and the pros, their arms trouble because they're, they're overusing. Um, and I'll tell you what, doc, you've touched on some really interesting and you've got four kids. So, uh, you know, I'll leave you with this. The parents, always seem to come into the equation when some parents I've mentioned to friends over the years, some parents that never really competed in sports don't have an idea of what's involved with the dedication and everything else that goes along with it. And they get to some get to a point of really driving their kids to, to continue, you know, Mike, that's a good point. And as always, thank you for your uh, continued support of my show. That's my, uh, and, Doctor, that, that is a good point. You know, we sort of presume that a lot of the parents have an understanding of sports uh, injury concerns because perhaps they played sports as, as kids themselves. But if they didn't or their, their kid is playing a sport that they aren't familiar with, uh, that they didn't play as a kid growing up, that, that could lend to complications as well. Sure, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, plenty of surveys show that uh, parents are the greatest influence on introducing an athlete to a particular sport, and of course. and and then uh, you know, and and, and in terms of uh, specializing or, or developing, uh, you know, the intensive activity, it's more the coaches uh, and others. But uh, you know, the parents are—you you, you can't fault parents. Obviously, as a parent, I, I can empathize with them, but. Uh, they also, and, and I'm sure if, if if a parent is being honest, they understand also that they feel pressure because they've they've made a commitment as well. It's not just the child going to practice; it's the parent who's taken the child to practice. It's the parents who have invested uh, certain monies into these sort of sports, and it's a very complicated thing. I mean, when they come into the office, there's there's a lot of things we have to take into account, not just the actual physical malady, but, uh, you know, the child's personality, the, the parent's personality, uh, and then how to relate things to them so that they can understand that, you know, if we want to get things better, we got to do X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's very challenging. Let me ask you a delicate question. Yeah, have, you, have you had 
kids come to your office, obviously with a mom or dad who's accompanying them, and, and the kid has, is complaining of an injury, but you get the sense, the instinct of uh, sense that perhaps this kid is using the, the injury as a sort of a masking element to say, in effect, I really don't want to do this sport anymore, but don't know how to tell mom and dad I want to quit? Yeah, I mean, I think we do. There are definitely some of the high school kids that, that I'll cover when I go to the games or, or in the training room or uh, or even in the office. Uh, when, when I see some of these children who come in repetitively with new, sort of, I wouldn't say vague complaints, but uh, aches, and, aches and pains here and there, it's not a discrete trauma like an ACL where you can point to something. It's more, oh, you know, this hurts now, that hurts. You know, to me, it's either overtraining or they're manifesting this sort of desire to sort of say, I'm not really into this anymore, but they yeah. don't want to state it explicitly. Yeah. We don't see it all the time. Uh, I don't want people to get that sense, but I think every once in a while I do get the opinion, you know, I get the sense that they're probably trying to relay that but can't articulate it. For a variety of reasons. And how do you handle that with the, if you get the sense that, as you say, it's a vague or nondescript injury, and you get a sense this kid doesn't really want to keep playing the sport, do you talk to the parent about this? or how Well, do you... I, I mean, I, I, I do try to introduce a dialogue with all of us where we sort of try to understand why is he or she continuing to develop these repetitive injuries? Yeah, yeah. Um, is it because they're not allowing enough recovery? So if it's the kid that's on two travel teams, uh, maybe they need to cut back. Is it because uh, they just they're just playing super aggressively? Is it because the mechanics are off? Uh, we all know the kid who tries really hard uh, to be a pitcher, but you could see his pitching mechanics are just not that great. Um, or is it uh, because they've lost interest? And sometimes I'll even try and delicately bring it up and say, "Look, are you still into this, or are you into other sports? Do you have other things you want to do, like hang out with your friends, rather than spend every weekend traveling across uh, the Northeast?" So yeah. it's tough. It's tough. I know. I'm sure it's very, very difficult, uh, and of course puts you in a very awkward position. Um, let's go back to our callers. Uh, let's go to North Massapequa. Frank is standing by. Frank, good morning. You're on the fan. <coughs> How are you guys? Good, Frank. Uh, Thank you for coming in early Sunday. I appreciate it. Because I'm up early, so it's nice to hear somebody who actually knows what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Uh, Doc, you, your information came in. Um, you're on point, and I appreciate it. But I, I have a couple of uh, – I, I just want to make a point, and I have a pretty good question for you. Um, what I've seen, and I'm in my 40s, and I've coached, and I've played sports, what I've seen is um, kids are not free playing, as you said, at all. What I've been picking up from a lot of my friends' kids and uh, a lot of people that I see, that they they just on their iPads all day. They, they don't do anything. <laughs> and then when it's time to play, to go to camp, to go to uh, whatever it is, that's when the first time they pick up a bat or a basketball, whatever it is. And then I find them getting hurt that way. And I do agree with you with the specialized over the free plays, what is causing these acute injuries. Um, do you have any... Um, suggestions on like maybe is there different types of stretches or is there different type of different things they could do to prevent these type injuries and, and you know to maybe make you a little bit less busy you know is there anything that you su- could suggest that because people are specialized this way are there other techniques to you know maybe make their muscles stronger on their tendons do you have any advice on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, y- y- 
there's no doubt a, a uh, uh, you know a smart strength and conditioning program is very useful even uh, in the younger athletes and I don't mean that they go out there and start lifting weights like Arnold Schwarzenegger but body weight type exercises plyometric training uh, even even in younger uh, athletes has been proven to be beneficial to them and unlike the the stories we used to hear when we were kids where if you started lifting weights or or doing uh, weight training early on you're not going to stunt your growth plates there's no evidence that that occurs so i think that a generalized conditioning and strengthening program even in the off season can be beneficial and like you say getting the kids away from just the screen and doing things like that i think can be helpful to prevent injuries but it's also about being smart about things. Uh, just referring to weightlifting and bodybuilding, um, 20, 30 years ago, they realized uh, if you're going to be a competitive strength or, or weight trainer, you're going to have to period it. Peri- you know, they called it peri- periodization, where you can't always be at 100% intensity. Um, so I think doing things, low-level things, uh, maybe throughout the year and then higher level, uh, obviously at certain points and taking the appropriate rest and allowing for the appro- uh, appropriate recuperation is obviously critical. The, the, the hard thing, though, is determining what exactly is that, especially in the context of multiple sports and so many things going on in a kid's life. Um, there's just no simple answer, unfortunately. Yeah, I just wanted to echo that too, Dr. Adilos. You know, uh, as you said, some time ago, you know, the idea of uh, young kids uh, lifting weights uh, was considered an absolute no-no, but obviously over the years that position has changed. So long as the youngster, we're talking about kids as, as young as 8, 10, 12 years old, has to be totally supervised, has to be fairly lightweight. That's uh, right. And, and so they don't get in the way of their, their growth plates and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and you know, they, they, the, you mentioned plyometrics, uh, which has is, is, is been around for a while, and yet not many parents seem to understand the, 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 the upside of plyometric training for their kids if they really want to get a kid to develop a sense of coordination and skill and athletic ability. Plyometrics is great, and it, it, it's, it's really sort of low-impact training. Yeah, and uh, the truth is also uh, when kids develop better coordination and better landing mechanics, especially younger girls who play things like soccer or basketball, they can also decrease their risk of ACL injury by about 50% with the appropriate training program. So not only is it good for their own physical prowess, but it's also good to prevent injury. And as someone who themselves uh, had an ACL injury. I could tell you when I was 15, I had an ACL injury. And that's why I, I, I sort of really empathize with people who have these types of injuries. You know, it changes you. So um, the data clearly shows that ACL surgery works great. But even when we clear athletes or adults after ACL surgery, not everyone wants to go back to sports or the sport that where they were injured or skiing or whatever it was because of the fear factor. Yes. So an ounce of prevention is worth more than a pound of cure in this instance. And so you mentioned the plyometrics. I completely, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. If we, you know, body weight type exercises in the pre-adolescence, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, coordination type things, 
uh, and then uh, obviously learning how to j- how to jump and land and and all these things that we take for granted. But if you're only playing one particular sport, if you're only playing hockey, then you don't learn some of those things. Or if you're only a rower, then you have no lateral type movements to really train your body with. And if you ask them to do lateral type movements, someone who's only rowing for years, you'll see that even though they look like uh, uh, a tremendous athlete. They're they're not as coordinated as you might expect them to be. Yeah, the the, the and we've talked about this. Uh, you know, the transition of skills from one sport to the other is so essential. Uh, and if you don't get that uh, that that chance to transition your skills, if you're just focusing one sport, uh, you know, if you're a basketball player. Uh, you're learning your lateral skills going from right to left when you play defense. That would help if you're playing uh, baseball, if you're trying to steal bases. If you're developing your wrists playing hockey, that'll help you in baseball as well. I mean, all these sports all basically lend themselves to other sports rather than working in isolation. And that's something that I think we get to this whole focus on specialization that a lot of times the parents don't understand this, which is one reason why so many of the the college coaches will always tell you we're looking for the best all-round athlete, not just the kid who specializes in one sport. All right, let me let me take a timeout. We're talking with Dr. Demetrius Delos about obviously specialization and the long-term impact it has on your youngsters. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Hey, don't forget at uh, nine o'clock this morning it is football Sunday. Of course, with Mark Malusis and Dave Deal, obviously talking about uh, the NFL playoffs and what's happening in the Jets for their search for a new coach. Uh, also, I remind you, of course, that my book, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed, keeps uh, rambling along. Uh, appreciate the fact that so many people have come to the book and enjoy it. They sent me some great feedback about it. Again, you can buy that book pretty much anywhere as well as on Amazon. Check out my blog at AskCoachWolf.com. And, of course, you can follow me on, uh, on Twitter at hashtag AskCoachWolf. Right now we're talking about specialization, the, the pros and cons. We're talking with Dr. Demetrius Delos, orthopedic surgeon, and, and we're talking about, you know, the whole issues of, of you know, what parents have to know about uh, whether or not it's a good idea to have their kids specialize in a sport. Uh, by the way, Dr. Delos, is got, he's with the orthopedic and neurosurgery specialists in Greenwich, Stanford, and in Harrison, New York. Um, before I get to the calls, very quickly, you mentioned in, we're in passing Osgood's slaughter disease, which yes. has been around for a long time. Tell us what that is, and, and uh, how, how is that a real concern for, for youngsters? Sure. So uh, as, we, as we discussed uh Children are not little adults, and so they have growth plates uh, that are involved in elongating a bone, but also where tendons attach. And because the growth plate is made of cartilage, it's the weak link. So the tendon that attaches to the shin bone is actually stronger than the growth plate. And so repetitive running, jumping, etc., tends to put a lot of stress on that growth plate, and so the growth plate gets inflamed. This is not the type of growth plate injury we worry about to the same extent as, say, a a bad fracture through the growth plate that's involved in growing the bone and making it bigger. But what it does is it it is a limiting thing in the sense that it causes pain with activities, especially running, jumping, etc. And in severe cases, what I see is the kid comes off the field crying. They can't go up and down stairs at home. They can't walk around the school campus. So while it's what we call a self-limiting thing, nothing we're going to need to operate on or anything that's going to cause serious long-term uh, issues like arthritis, 
it can really it can really affect a child's life, and so when it gets bad enough, they really need to cut back on the activity. And that's is that something we can say is a, a was caused primarily by uh, overuse? Is that correct? oh yeah yeah I mean you you never see it in uh, or almost never see it in the kid who's just sitting on the couch playing video games. It's it's really the kids who are uh, running around and not giving their body a chance uh, to recover. And really, that's what that's one of the things. I would like to get across, or I try to tell my patients as well, the human body is a tremendous ad- adaptation machine. Uh, if you give it the opportunity, it can adapt to almost anything. The problem with uh, some of the sports activities that these young athletes are doing is they're just not well, allowing their bodies to recover and adapt. To recover and adapt. Before the break, you mentioned uh, about uh, ACL injuries, the fact that you had gone through this yes. uh, when you were a youngster as well, but... You know, the ongoing concern, from my perspective, are for girls or females, uh, because the medical research says very clearly that that, that women are much more susceptible to ACL injuries than than males are, and I I don't know, maybe, is there some way that that, uh, besides just uh, training and and, uh, plyometrics, whatever, is there any way that girls can do something to prevent these, uh, these knee injuries from happening? Great question. Uh, we've, you know, as a community or of orthopedists and, and physical therapists, etc., we've looked at tons of ways to try and prevent it. Unfortunately, there are no good braces. There's yep. no bracing that's been shown to really reduce the risk of ACL injury. Um, part of it is uh, women's anatomy. Uh, they tend to have wider hips and, and their knees tend to come together. Uh, we call that a valgus alignment, and that tends to put the ACL at more risk. Uh, there's uh, anatomical differences where the bones are a little bit tighter in the knee, uh, etc. Really, the only thing that has been shown to reduce the risk of ACL injury are these ACL uh, prevention programs, which involve agility training, strength training, plyometrics. Um, and the thing I would also emphasize is that uh, young girls tend to have weak hamstrings, and the hamstring is the main muscle group that prevents um, uh, the knee from moving in a way that can potentially injure the ACL. So strengthening the hip and the hamstrings is really important in young girls. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I hope that message is getting across to uh, sports parents who have uh, daughters who are playing those sports that involve obviously basketball, lacrosse, soccer, whatever, how important that is to do this kind of uh, prevention uh, to make sure that they have at least a shot at, at, at trying to avoid ACL injuries. But we know it's very, unfortunately, it's very widespread. Uh, let me get back to the calls. Let's go over to uh, Ed over in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good, good morning, Vic. Happy New Year. You too, Ed. Good. I wanted to, uh, I want to ask a uh, doctor a question. There's, the, there's this stuff out that's at now, and even our pitchers are doing it with our travel baseball program called BioPitch and Driveline. Have you heard of it, Doctor? Uh, truthfully, no, I have not. Okay, it's 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 basically a lot of throwing with weighted balls. Well, not a lot of throwing, but they they, they got it structured where it supposedly it it develops uh, increased velocity in, in in a pitcher. What's your feeling on that? Since I'm not as familiar, unfortunately, I can't comment on it as much. But um, um, you know, I, I guess. In my mind, uh, the tried and true, which is uh, you know practicing at a certain rate and, and allowing yourself enough recovery, 
this particular thing, I'm just not as familiar and, with. Uh, is this like taking a, a weighted baseball and throwing that to basically build up arm strength? Is that what this is all yes, about? Yes. Uh, a guy by the name of Greg Short runs uh, BioPitch and Drivelines is a group out of upstate New York. Yeah. But and, the, the idea is that to take a weighted baseball and to throw that to build up, as I said, the uh, the, the shoulder and, and uh, biceps? Is that how the concept is? Yeah. Basically, it is, yes. And, um, well, let's go, uh, let's go from that perspective, Doc. Does, is, does that make sense for a youngster to be throwing a weighted baseball to build up arm strength? Well, I think that, uh, it, the, you know, there's no doubt that uh, when you, when the body can get exposed to something it, it, like a weighted baseball, or uh, I remember uh, practicing with different size basketballs, it may make the actual uh, activity that you're interested in perhaps a little bit easier. Yeah. I'd have to be a little bit, I'd really have to research this to give you a more accurate uh, assessment of it uh, without really being an expert on this. Uh, I'm, unfortunately, I can't no, comment. I, no, I understand. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. your situation. Ed, thank you. Let me, let me move on here. Uh, fact, let me ask you for a quick question about, about baseball and pitching. Cause clearly, you see kids at a young age who are throwing, and we all know that uh, kids these days, uh, they, they, they're also locked in on the radar gun and they want to throw full max all the time mm-hmm. to try to get their, their velocity up until, uh, if they can, up over 90 miles an hour. And as a consequence, kids throwing full speed, full max all the time lends themselves to all sorts of injuries. Um, what, what, what is your takeaway? What would you prescribe for kids who are, let's say, I don't know, 15, 16 years old and, and trying to build up their arm strength? Well, it's all about appropriate mechanics. I mean, uh, if we were to give, provide an analogy, it's sort of like the kid or the young young person in the gym who tries to do the Olympic lifts with with heavy weight. And if your mechanics are good, you're unlikely to get injured. If your mechanics are not so good, or if they really worsen as you try and uh, as you strain harder and harder, then clearly it's not going to be good for you. And it's all about uh, moving in a progressive manner, and that's always the hardest thing, even in adults, but in young people in particular. It's going from a certain distance, throwing it accurately and throwing it with good mechanics, increasing the distance. Uh, it's, it's going from a num- certain number of practice pitches to more and more pitches, but with the good mechanics. And unfortunately, we just, you know, there's always this rush to try and get to a uh, point point B quicker and quicker and that's where people run into trouble because they they don't warm up appropriately or they're not throwing it appropriately um but you know, the appropriate appropriate warm up and uh the pro- appropriate progressive uh training program is what's needed and when a kid comes to you let's say they're you're in high school and they're complaining about pain in their shoulder or whatever it might be or elbow uh do you actually ask them point blank well how many times do you pitch during the oh. weekend, how often uh, yeah. do, you throw, do you always throw at full max? Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And and how often are you giving yourself a rest? And uh, how long has this been going on for? And what do you do about it? Uh, those are all questions you need to ask to really get the context uh, in which all this is occurring. In. And it, but it must be difficult for a kid to, to sort of confess to you to say, well, you know, I probably should be resting more, but, you know, I, I'm a, a top pitcher on the high school team, and the team needs me. I also play in a travel team, and you know the usual routine that a kid will yeah. tell you. So h- how do you tell them the bad news and say, look, you just can't keep doing this? 
Well, I try to explain to them that uh, what you're doing right now is taking one step forward and two steps back, and mm-hmm. you keep doing that, and you're only going to end up further and further backwards rather than towards where you want to go. And uh, obviously, it's it's a difficult thing to explain because, um, you know, without the real dramatic injury, it's hard to tell people that you need to stop or you need to cut back. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the athletes, some of them, you know, they really have that warrior mentality. I'm just going to play through it. Unfortunately, it only comes with experience that you realize that uh, you'd rather not go the one step forward, two steps back route, um, unfortunately. Dr. Delos, uh, we're running short on time here. I just have to ask you, this, I mean, you see so many of these, 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 these kids who come in and, and seek your medical expertise is there one takeaway you could give to, to parents who are listening in about their kids who are playing sports and, and want to specialize or sure. push it? What, what, what is the one thing that sure. parents should know? You know, I, I would liken it to what I know best, which is orthopedic surgery. The best orthopedic surgeons that I know are good doctors first. Yep. I think if you want to be great at a particular sport, first develop into a great athlete, and that means exposure to a bunch of different sports, let the kid figure out for themselves what they want to do, and then they can specialize. Once they de- once they are in late adolescence, high school years, etc. The earlier they specialize, the the data clearly shows nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. The results don't seem to be any better than if they specialize later on, and the data clearly shows that for those who specialize at a very young age, pre-adolescence, early adolescence, the risk of injury is much higher. So for the kids who are still growing and specializing, uh, I'd be a little bit concerned, or uh, certainly I'd be very wary uh, about their condition and keep a close eye on them to make sure they don't develop longer, longer-lasting issues physically but also psychologically. Uh, look, that's just a very, very terrific advice, uh, and I hope that uh, moms and dads are listening and paying close attention. Dr. Demetrius Delos, again, my thanks for getting up early on a Sunday morning. I know you're always busy. Uh, but again, I just uh, I thank you so much for sharing some of your your ex, uh, expertise into this area with our audience. Any any time, Rick. This was uh, this was awesome. I, you know, great experience, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you again. That's Dr. Demetrius Delos, orthopedic surgeon with the Orthopedic and Neurosurgery Specialist. Uh, they have offices in uh, in Connecticut and Greenwich and Stanford, and also in Harrison, New York. Let me take a pause. I'll be back with more. Same. This whole issue of uh, specialization is so, you know, so, so interesting and concerning and uh, worrisome. I was actually jotting down all sorts of notes during my conversation this morning with Dr. Delos uh, and some of the, the, the highlights. Uh, one, you know, you got to tell kids that when they get injured, you can't speed up the healing process. It's going to take time. That means they have to sit out and watch. Uh, their, their teammates and peers play, but they you can't come back too soon or you're going to end up uh, making things worse. Uh, the concern he mentioned about, you know, the, the specialization, uh, if you just play one sport to the exclusion of all others, uh, you're not going to benefit from having the, the transition of other athletic skills going to other sports, meaning that, as we said before, if you play a variety of sports when you're a youngster starting out, those skills you learn are going to adapt and help you and benefit your other sport, which you eventually do specialize in. 
He mentioned that most kids don't shouldn't specialize until they're at least in uh, late adolescence, meaning sometime in high school. Um, he also mentioned just a few seconds ago that there really is no research out there that shows that specializing in one sport at a very early age makes a big difference down the road. That's interesting. Again, this is coming from orthopedic surgeon who sees kids all the time. And, and obviously, you know, these are real concerns that all parents have to grapple with as they see their kid go out and play uh, and compete in the world of sports. Uh, again, very, very good food for thought. And, of course, if you want to replay this, uh, this episode of Sports Edge, you can always go to WFAN.com, click on the link for the podcast for my show, and hear what Dr. Delos had to say. Again, really good stuff coming from somebody who's top-notch in his field. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Brian Rascona. Please stick around for Football Sunday. That's up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.